Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. So I have been looking forward to this show for months. So we've been asking all of our listeners to send us their best sewing tips and tricks. And today is the day I finally get to share them. I just loved getting everyone's emails in and seeing all of the creative and time-saving ideas quilters came up with to make different parts of the quilting process easier or more efficient. It's just so inspiring and it helps us all learn something new and potentially solve a problem we've been experiencing. So I have a lot of tips to get through, so I am just going to dive right in, and I hope you enjoy hearing from all of our listeners and getting some of their knowledge. So our first tip is from Lee Hawk. They say, maybe other people have already discovered this, but when it comes time to oil my sewing machine, the tube that comes out of the oil container makes too big a droplet for the small holes on top of my machine. I take a long basting pin and stick it a quarter inch down into the holes. Then let the oil drip down the pin into the machine. The oil goes just where you want it and not all over your sewing surface. Amy Sweeney says, I use a surgical clamp and old rotary cutting blades as a chain stitch cutter rather than buying a pre-made one. Rotary blades that develop a nick or aren't quite sharp enough to cut fabric anymore are still plenty sharp enough to cut threads between pieces. Mary Capone says, My favorite quilting hack that I have never heard mentioned on the podcast is one from Nancy Zeman, where you use pool noodles to help baste a quilt. It works so well. I used to struggle to get the backing to stay flat and even, but now it is much easier. You roll your quilt top on one noodle face in, or two pool noodles taped together end to end if it's a larger quilt, and then roll the backing and batting together on another noodle, but with the batting side in. Then you evenly unroll each bit by bit and pin-baste pin those sections. Then unroll more until it's all basted. Diane Tomlinson says, When sewing with angles like diamonds and triangles and other sudden shapes, always mark the corners where the points meet and sew up to, but not on the mark. This allows a thread or two for the corner to adjust and lay flat. Deanna Tabiner says, One hack your listeners might like to try is using templates to mark quilting designs. I find them a great help as the ones I have have markings to help you line up the pieces of the block, but also great for using to line up the design. The ones with curves are particularly good. I have been using the center of an orange peel block to mark elliptical curves on a quilt. 
As they are acrylic, they are more robust than the quilting templates I have, and a Hera marker runs round them easily as they are that bit deeper. Mitzi Lance says, I am doing my first English paper piecing project. I was looking for something to make a good crease on the hexagon. I am using a metal nail file. It has a plastic end and a long metal emery end. I lay the paper down on my pre-cut piece, put a strip of glue down, and fold it over with the metal end of the file. I don't have to touch the glue. Then I press down on the piece with my fingers on top of the file. This gives it a nice, firm seal. I go all the way around to assure a good seal. It makes nice points and makes it easy to sew. Carol Metz says, Whenever I finish a quilt, I now measure the leftover piece of batting. I then safety pin the measurements on the folded piece of batting and place it in a tote. I have a plastic sleeve taped to the tote with a piece of paper inside the sleeve. The sheet tells me what size of scrap battings I have. When I use a size, I simply cross it off the sheet of paper. No more piles of batting everywhere, and it has really helped clean up the clutter. Lorraine Mattis says, By cutting an inexpensive flannel-backed vinyl tablecloth into 20-inch squares and using them as portable mini design walls, I was able to more efficiently lay out a series of complicated blocks. I could lay out several blocks at a time, stack them, and easily transport them to my sewing table. Continuously sewing without stopping to do a layout one block at a time made life much easier and quicker. The mini design walls can be rolled with the blocks inside for storage or transport. Janet McDaniel says, I want to share a quilting tip I just came up with. I sew on my dining room table and hate to drag out my big ironing board when I am making quilt blocks. I took a wooden folding TV table and purchased half a yard of Insulbrite insulated batting and half a yard of ironing board fabric. I'm stapling the insulated batting and ironing board fabric to the bottom of the wooden tray. I set it beside me as I sew so I can press pieces as I go. Jackie Fowler says, Those long-handled magnets that automotive shops use to pick up small parts are great for locating dropped pins in the sewing studio. I got mine for about $8 at a big box store, and it stores nicely in a corner. No more stepping on a lost pin. Andrea Hawkins says, I enjoy English paper piecing. When I go on a trip, I try to bring my soft-sided lunchbox that I purchased from Amazon. I include mini charm packs, small portable scissors and a safe case, quilting thread, silk thread, needles, etc. I may or may not have time to sew, but it does not require much room in the car. Lois Tabber says, my tip is to use metal tweezers 
when applying Light Easy Steam 2 to fabric. Since I have had difficulty getting the fusible tape to stick to the fabric, I tried using a metal tweezers. After using my fingernail to press the tape to the fabric, I start separating the fusible section with my fingernail and use a metal tweezers to grip the paper backing away from the fusible tape. The metal tweezers can also hold the sticky fusible side to the fabric since the fusible tape does not stick to the metal very well. Jane Hicks says, I've tried many small containers to store dull, bent, or broken needles and pins, but this one is my favorite by far. After finishing off one of those little plastic bottles of flavored sweetness I add to my water, I discovered the empty bottle makes a perfect container for used pins and needles because it has a soft plastic top where the flavor is squeezed out and it makes a protective top that the needles won't tip back out of if knocked over. I just push them in and store the bottle near my sewing machine until it's needed again. When I've accumulated enough, I can safely toss it without worries of sharp needles showing up when I push down my garbage. And Teresa, no last name, uh, told us, when making a baby quilt, I make an extra block and save that to make a mug rug for the new mom to go with her baby's quilt. So there is all the tips I have to share today, and there are so many great ones. Um, so we'll have to do another one of these episodes again to share even more of all of our listeners' great sewing hacks. Um, you all are geniuses to me, and I just loved hearing these all and look forward to incorporating some of these tips into my very own sewing room. So we're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing an editor's quilting mistake and chatting with a quilt store owner from North Carolina. Welcome back. Now we're moving on to behind the scenes from the Crafts Lab, which is the segment where we share kind of a behind the scenes look at what's happening in the office. And we have two um, programs coming up in November that we wanted to share with our listeners because we really think you'll love them. So the first is So Thankful, which is a two-week celebration of things and people to be grateful for in our quilting lives. So each day leading up to Thanksgiving, we'll issue a prompt on social media that will inspire you to share stories or photos of things that you're thankful for this holiday season. So each day from November 11th through November 24th, We'll post the day's prompt on social media, and then you can share your pictures and stories of what you're grateful for, either as comments on the post or um, on Instagram using the hashtag I'm so thankful. And if you wanted to take extra time each day to reflect, we also have a journaling page that you can print out. Um, so I think it would just be a nice way to start your day with, you know, your cup of coffee or tea and Take some time spending journal, you know, journaling about what you're thankful for. Um, and if you don't already, just make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to join the fun. Uh, we did so thankful for the first time last year, 
And it was just really uplifting and inspiring to just read through everyone's stories and see photos. And we have new prompts this year. So if you participated last year, you'll get to explore new things that you're thankful for this year. And then our second thing is starting November 19th, we're hosting a small sew-along featuring a table runner pattern designed by Allison Harris of Cluck Cluck Sew. So the table runner features gift or present shaped blocks in various sizes, and it's very cute. Um, and it's just kind of the perfect way to use your favorite holiday prints or, you know, if you're not in need of another Christmas table runner, you could make it in any color palette to celebrate a birthday or other event. Um, the project is quick and easy, so you'll definitely be able to finish it before the holidays. So we'll link to more info about these two programs in our show notes so you can kind of remind yourself of all the details and we hope you can join in. It's so fun during the holidays to get together with other quilters and just carve out a little bit of that sewing time for yourself. So now I'm handing the mic over to Doris, the editor of Quilt Sampler, for a segment called The Quilting Mistake I Made This Month where our staff shares a mistake they recently made and what they learned from it. So take it away, Doris. This is Doris Burnett, the editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine. As quilters, we've all made mistakes in our quilting, sometimes big mistakes and sometimes just a little oops. Because I often sew while listening to an audiobook or watching a show on Netflix, my attention occasionally drifts away from my sewing during a good part in the story and I end up needing to pull out the seam ripper. A month or so ago, I was working on piecing several flying geese, and after sewing about 30 small triangle pairs together, I looked closer and realized I had several of the square pieces right side up instead of right sides together with the bottom square. It can be so frustrating, and it's an easy mistake to make even when not watching television or listening to an audiobook. The way I typically sew them involves grabbing a background square from my pile of cut pieces and place it on the second square just before running it through the presser foot. So it's not that difficult to line up pieces incorrectly. A fellow quilter recently shared with me what she does to help prevent this. She puts all of her pieces to be sewn together, right sides together, as they will go through the machine and lines them up or stacks them all in one direction atop an acrylic quilting ruler and sits them next to the machine as they will go through the presser fit. This way she can line everything up and stack them for sewing while at her cutting table and then easily transfer the units to the sewing machine area to chain piece and not worry about some of them being turned in the wrong direction or sewn together wrong sides together. I gave it a try recently and it worked like a charm. Even though I was engrossed in the story I was listening to, my piecing went quickly and without air or the need for a seam ripper. Thanks, Doris. I've uh, definitely sewed triangle squares with the fabric facing the wrong way before, so I will have to try your trick. So I'm handing the mic back to Doris for Love Your Local Quilt Shop, a segment where Doris chats to store owners about the amazing things their quilt shops are doing for the community. So back to you, Doris. Hey, this is Doris Burnett, editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine, with another installment of Love Your Local Quilt Shop, where we feature the community connections and success stories of independent quilt shops. Today I'm talking to Kirsten Meadows, owner of All About Quilting in Jacksonville, North Carolina. 
Welcome, Krista. I'm happy to have the opportunity to chat with you. Thank you for having me. This is great fun. <laughs> yeah, you bet. And I know you've been busy this week with the uh, All Carolina Shop Hop. So um, I know that uh, you've been in business for two decades now. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the um, All About Quilting story? So I started in 2003. I had been working for the government. I really wanted to do something. So I invested my government money, my retirement money, and started the business. I had a partner when I started, another military wife who then had to leave. And so I became a sole proprietor, and I've loved every minute of it. I love my customers. They've become friends. Um, I had a lady today that I talked to that her mom has passed away but her mom was one of my customers. And when she told me her mom's name, she's like, you remember her? And I'm like, yes, like they're, they're my friends and family too. So I do care about them and care what happens to them. And I started out as a hand quilter. So doing everything by hand, my husband was on recruiting duty in Minnesota and worked terribly long hours that required me to be in charge of the three children all by myself and it gets dark at like four o'clock, you know? And so what do you do with kids when it's below zero? And so you can only go to the mall of America because that costs money so much. And so I had to find other things to do. And there was a great program at the schools where you could go into the school and your kids could play basketball, they could swim in the pool, they could do these nighttime activities that happened at the school, but you had to stay there. You couldn't, you couldn't just drop them off, you had to stay there. And I was like, okay, so what am I gonna do? So walk down to the home ec room because I was walking the hallways and oh my gosh, there's a hand quilting class. And I was like, hey, this looks pretty interesting. So that was my first formal training of, I'd been sewing for years, but I never really knew what I was doing. And so that was my first experience of actually having an instructor. And the funny thing was, was the instructor was very nice, but she was an architectural quilter. So she dealt with buildings and chase, changing that into fabric. Oh, wow. so she was very monochromatic in her color scheme because buildings are usually tan and brown. And, and so when I did a red, white, and blue quilt, she wasn't very happy. <laughs> and that was my first quilt. I did four different blocks that were all hand done. Um, I did them in the evening while my husband and I also taught scuba classes while we were there. So I was the lifeguard in the pool while they were doing their pool things. And so I could hand stitch and still keep my eyes on the pool right. and keep your hands get out and the kids would go, okay, what'd you make now? And so I pulled <laughs> up what I had done. So that was my first foray because it was very portable and I could take it wherever I went. Then we came back here to North Carolina and I was like, had a, a singer sewing machine that I saved my babysitting money for. So I had been sewing since I was 14 on a machine, but again, I wasn't taught anything. The salesman sold it to me and I went on my way with the thought that when the needle broke, I had to change it. That was basically all he told me. <laughs> and, um, 
And so I took a formal class and out of the quilt store that's um, since the owners passed away and it has gone out of business. But the gist of the story is I spent like $160 buying fabric for that first quilt because I bought everything that was on the list because that's what I thought I had to do. And like we ate like macaroni and cheese for the rest of the week because <laughs> I spent the grocery money. So I always try to tell people only buy what you need to buy because until you figure out what works best for you. So there are those tool people that buy lots of tools and that's fine. If they have the money to buy the latest and grace, that's fine. But you can do most everything you need with that six by 24 inch ruler, but you have to know that. Otherwise somebody will sell you the smaller rulers and then you can't make a bigger cut. You can't cut that strip. And then there are rotary cutters. There's lots of different kinds of rotary cutters. You have to find the best one that's going to fit in your hand and feel the best for you. And mats, again, so I try to teach the basics to teach people why they're doing what they're doing, why they're spending the money that they're spending so that it's well-spent money and not just cost-to-the-side money. So um, that's my big thing. And that's really good, yeah. especially for beginner quilters, um, you yes. know, to try things out and, you know, not go overboard buying everything right away just because it's on the list. And yeah, get a feel for what what you're going to do and how much you're going to enjoy it. And, you know, check out the types of fabrics that you're going to like and the types of tools that you're going to like. And um, yeah. that's really good advice. Yeah. Yep. Like I have the big cutting mat at the store that's like 72 inches long by 40 inches wide. And I have a nice cutting table. And so if you want to trim your quilt up in order to put the binding on, a lot of the ladies come and rent <laughs> my cutting table to be able to trim up their quilt because they can't okay. it's you know, handle it. It's a 24 by 36 one on, at, yeah. on tables at home. Yeah. And then I have a 22-inch ruler. So they can use that 22-inch ruler on that corner to get the corner nice and square. Nice, yes. And then they're, you know, they're like, that was so easy. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But not everybody can have that big of a mat and that big of a, a square. I totally understand right. it. And that's why it's much easier to come pay me $5 and square up your quilt. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. I know our, our quilt shops are such awesome communities, as you mentioned before, about the woman coming in and being surprised that you remembered her mother when she told you that her mother passed away. Um, I know they do become, having worked at a quilt shop before, a couple of quilt shops, like you get to know people and they do become like your family, getting to know right. them. So, and the other thing I know about all about quilting is um, you mentioned about being uh, from a military family. And I know that you set up your shop near a military base. Um, can you tell me a little bit about um, support system that, that your shop provides to military families? So it's kind of a funny thing because we're the biggest Marine Corps base on the East Coast. And because of that, we have Navy, even though we don't have a port, but the docks support the Marine Corps. And then the Coast Guard trains with them too. And so the Coast Guard base is right here. And then inland, just a little ways, we have the Air Force and we have the Army. So there's a big physical presence of military people from all of the services here in this area. And with that comes 
um, mommy coming to see little Johnny before little Johnny goes to, on a deployment somewhere or the whole family coming because little Johnny's coming home. So in one day I can have people from like New York and Key West all in the store because you just never know. So it's, right. it's, it's wonderful. Um, the whole pandemic was really kind of weird because we're used to gathering in the quilt shop on Thursday nights and hand sewing. Sometimes there might be two people. Other times there might be 24 people. And hand sewing requ doesn't require you to have a certain amount of space with your machine and your plug. Um, so some ladies will come and they'll cut, like do their big cutting on their quilt or they'll hand sew binding, or a lot of them are doing other different kinds of wool work or, you know, different kinds of things, or they'll bring their knitting or their crocheting or whatever, and just sitting around and being together. And we all missed that tremendously during the whole, you got to stay six feet away from everybody yeah. and all Have of that kind of stuff. Get back to that now? Well, so one of the girls has been really nice about letting us meet at her house. And that's been kind of cool because at her house, I'm more able to sit down and have fun with everyone. Whereas at the store, I always felt like I had to help everybody and then the store was still open. So I would have to stop and take care of customers and everything. So it's yeah, kind of nice. On, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of nice on Sunday afternoons to just hang out. Hey, it's Lindsay. Sorry to interrupt, but we have to take a quick ad break. We'll be back with Doris and Krista soon. The cool thing about where I am is that even during COVID, <clears throat> we have um, military wives that were stationed in Italy. We had military wives that are stationed in Korea. We have military wives that are in Japan. We have military wives that are in Hawaii and Guam. And I kept up with everybody over Zoom. So none of my faraway girls suffered. And in fact, um, that's part of the reason why I zipped my hours down and I'm open in the store Tuesday through Friday because on Saturday through Monday, I'm a lot of times Zooming with these girls in other time zones. Nice. And so I can help them. They still feel in touch. Like the one girl in Italy said it was terrible because they couldn't go anywhere. And, um, and so it was very nice for her to, like I could take the camera and walk around in the store and she could say, oh, I want that fabric and I want that fabric. And so then I would send a priority box. It might take eight weeks to get to Italy, but you know, right. Um, it was really nice to be able to keep up with everyone that way. And um, I don't think that everybody understands that variety of customers that I have because they come in and they might see one or two people. They might come in when there's a Quilts of Valor presentation going on. So they might see a family or just a husband and wife, but they don't see the same things that I do being there every day. And my little angel girls that have been helping me, they understand. And so they're very helpful too. Like I've got one girl that kind of lives about a mile and a half from my store. So like I've got a whole bunch of people, could you come help me? Or she might drive by and happen to see a bunch of cars. 
and stop in and say, Hey, do you need some help? And that's awesome when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I love it. I love what I do and I get caught up in helping the customers too. So yeah. then I don't necessarily, like I found myself today, I was trying to stop and introduce myself to the person that was coming in the door, not to slight the customer that I'm helping, but to acknowledge the person that's come in. I don't like it when I go to a store and they don't say anything to me, right. you know. And it might not be that they're ignoring you, but if they're busy and wrapped up with someone else, you know, you can sometimes feel that way that you're being. And if you're doing quilt math, you really can't stop in the middle of quilt math. (laughs) Multiple conversations, right? (laughs) So I know that your big big promotion is Quilts of Valor because of um, your husband and sons being involved in the military. Um, how, How often do you do Quilts of Valor presentations? Like how many do you do in a year? I guess I would say that because of the whole COVID thing, we didn't do any for quite a long time. So now we're making up for, um, and so when we got the go ahead that we could start doing presentations in this year, I think we've done 87 so far. Wow. So far in 2021? Yes. That's amazing. So we probably had a good, hundred quilts that were ready. We had kits made for probably 20 or 30 more. And then we probably, this is kind of like a per usual, we have probably 10 that are waiting to be quilted. So it has the top and the back and the batting and it's waiting for some nice person to want to come along and quilt. Volunteer to quilt it. That's awesome. Yes. (laughs) And um, so people come in and pick things up. Um, I've had, um, because we're in the center kind of of the state, the quilt guild that's south of us, an hour south of us, they have um, a whole bunch of members and a lot of them are military themselves. And so they've been instrumental in helping me. They've had lots of sew days, et cetera. And then they've also helped me do presentations because my area covers from the border of North Carolina to the border of Virginia from 95. So I have quite a, oh, yeah. an area that I was taking care of. Yes. So I have lots of th- things in motion. The coolest thing is that I have a doctor in town who likes to hand quilt. She doesn't like to do the quilting, but she likes to do the hand quilting. Uh-huh. And so as a rule, she's come and picked up a quilt and a couple of weeks later, she brings it back quilted. Wow. <laughs> and I put the binding on it and I put the label on it. She picks up another one. And then a couple of weeks later, she comes back and That's brings wonderful. me that and she wants another one. And it's been awesome. So she's been a flow here recently. Yeah. And she said it's great for her at the end of the day when it's been a busy day. She said it makes her relax. And so she said, I love doing it. She said, I don't like all that other work, but I love doing the enjoy piecing and the cutting and all of that. But she yeah. finds peace in the hand quilting part. That's awesome. Does she do traditional hand quilting then or like the big stitch? Hand she quilting? does the big stitch, which okay. is really cool because yeah. then she does like she did a um, compass on one, a great, so she enlarged the compass cover like a 60 inch area all the way across the quilt 
and it was beautiful. And that one was presented to a World War II veteran oh, wow. by the Patriot Guard at the welcome station on Highway 17 between North Carolina and South Carolina. And there was also a Vietnam vet that was presented that day and that made the news. So that was kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a wonderful program and it's definitely um, they're worthy of the quilts that they receive for sure. Um, just yeah. a very small thank you <laughs> for the service that our military have done for us. So, and it's funny cause my husband with him working up in the DC area, he becomes what we call a quilter's mule. He carries stuff back and forth for me sometimes to different people up in that area too. Yeah. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it was funny because the one lady was like, well, your husband's doing a lot of work, isn't he? <laughs> Just on his own. And so she sent him a quilt. So oh, very nice. <laughs> because, because I was like, no, I haven't made him a quilt. I'm yeah. making everybody else a quilt. You know? <laughs> so the quilter's uh, husband that's always the one sleeping without a quilt, right? Everybody right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you had told me about another um, charity, Reads Across America, that I had never heard of before. And maybe it's just me that it was new to me. But um, tell me about that. And you've recently gotten involved in that. Yeah. So my son, my youngest son passed away in 2010. And because he was a minor um, and you can be buried in the veteran cemetery as a veteran and you can have your spouse or you can have a dependent child buried with you. And because of everything that happened, it happened so quick, that was a good place to not have to pay for a bunch of stuff on top of everything else. So going to the Veterans Cemetery, I found out about the Reefs Across America and they actually come from Maine and they literally make the reefs. And when we get the reefs here in Coastal North Carolina on the beach. Sometimes we have to knock the snow off of them. It's really <laughs> kind of cool. And there's nothing better than to see in our veteran cemetery. We have a lot of veterans in the older part of the cemetery that, of course, don't have any family left or don't have any family close. And there's a lot of people in the regular part of the cemetery that don't have anybody any family close. Right. And so that's one time to see all of the graves covered with these beautiful wreaths. It smells so good. So it's just a really kind of great way the community comes out, the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the ROTCs from the different high schools come out and help with the ceremony. There's a representative from each one. And it usually happens like the second Saturday in December at every national cemetery all across the country. That's very cool. And, well, no. I know um, that you're also a collection spot for like a lot of local quilt shops, uh, collection centers for hospitals and care centers and such. such. I know that you're no exemption. So um, tell me a little bit about the things that um, some of your angel girls help you with on that end too, and all your wonderful quilters that do that extra sewing for you. I think the coolest thing is that when Aunt Sally dies, nobody knows what to do with her fabric. And so they call Kirsta and they say, okay, what do we do? And so I go through and try to take what's usable of it that I can. And we make pillowcase kits, for instance. Um, pillowcase kit is really easy because if you have a yard of fabric, 
You can cut a quarter of a yard off. You can have a body and a cuff for another pillowcase. You could take plain fabric to be the cuff. You could take plain fabric to be the body right. and have this fancy part on the end. So back quarters don't work well for that, but back quarters don't work well for a lot of things. So, <laughs> but a yard is, is kind of cool. And then if you have a couple of yards, it could be a back for a baby quilt. Um, it could be a back for a quilt of valor if it's red, white, and blue. So we separate all this fabric that gets donated and comes in into different groupings. And so like during the hurricane in 2018, where like we didn't have power at the store for three weeks, but I had a, like 50 pillowcases made. Mm -hmm. And so I gave the pillowcases to the civil air patrol guys that were going into these areas that were flooded. And now you have something that's dry and something that you can put stuff in. And my little angel girls made little zippy pouches that we put toothbrush and toothpaste and a bar of soap and that kind of stuff in a little zippy pouch and put it in there. Then they had like coloring books and crayons and some little toys for kids to play with. And so the Civil Air Patrol gave them out. And we've done that for a long time. Then right behind the hurricane here in 2018, it hit in um, Florida. So we sent a bunch of them there too, because then we were up and running. And so we could make more and get them there. So that's been a, a huge thing that we've done. We've made pillowcases and quilts and sent them to the fires in California um, we know firsthand what it's like to, to not have things. And so it's, it's nice to share. Quilters seem to be very generous and love yeah. to share, but they run out of fabric. So with the advent of these people um, and getting an influx of fabric, then I have to figure out what to do with it. So then I have kits. And a pillowcase kit is a really easy thing to teach a kid or an adult that's how to true. sew with. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that you come in and take a pillowcase class. It doesn't cost you anything. You just give me the finished pillowcase. So I had one little boy scout once that was nine that I wasn't really sure about his sewing, staying with it because at nine, you usually don't have the ability to sit still for more than 15 minutes or so. <laughs> so he came with his grandma. They made a pillowcase. Grandma had to do a lot of talking to get him to do the sewing. She did the pinning, you know, <laughs> but basically everything was cut. They just needed to learn how to put the yeah. things together. But the kid was so excited before he came back for the next class the next week, he had made nine pillowcases for his friends. Oh my goodness. Because he learned how to do it. And so he went through grandma's fabric and said, okay, this is for Johnny and this is for Sally, you know, That's very and cool. <laughs> grandma was like, I didn't, I couldn't stop him. And I was like, well, that's great. I love to hear that because it's yeah, nice wonderful. to spark it. You yeah, know. exactly. Spark that creativity. And obviously he wasn't interested in the beginning was like, what are we doing this for? But once he saw the finished project, project, but he got pretty yes. excited about it. Yes. it. That's cool. That's very cool. Exciting. Yeah. Well, um, did you have anything else you wanted to share with our listeners today about, about things? I guess, I guess the other thing is, is that we also do the quilts for one place, which is the Child Advocacy Center. And they do kids from birth to 18. 
um, boys and girls. And sometimes it's a situation where the police have gone in and um, taken a kid out and put them in foster care. Or sometimes they're just in a situation at home and they need some extra help and going into the one place facility to be evaluated is scary. Um, You don't know what you're doing. And so the cool thing is, is we've taken pillowcases and quilts up there and the kids get to choose the one that talks to them. And that's what I like to do with the quilts of valor too. I like for the, the person, the veteran, to choose it themselves because then they have a connection to it. It's not the same as me choosing it and giving it to them. I like for them to choose it or there to be a reason. I really appreciate you yes. talking with me today. It's been fun. Thank you. Yes. I'm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you sharing the story of all about quilting your shop and the community that it serves. Um, everybody here at American Patchwork and Quilting wishes you and your employees and your family health and happiness this upcoming holidays and this coming year. Thank you. And I wish that for everywhere. Peace on earth. Goodwill to men. (laughs) Amen to that. Yes. (laughs) Thanks so much to Doris and Krista. All About Quilting does so many amazing things for their customers and their community. So we'll link to their store and their Facebook page in our show notes so that you can connect with them more and support them if you'd like. And that's it for today's show. We'll chat with you all next week.